to the Enneagram journey. Today our focus will be on sixes. It's been said by some that sixes make up as much as half of the population. So we have a lot to learn about every other person we meet. My guest today has been teaching me recently and together I think we have something to offer you. I'm here today with my guest, Dana Effler. Dana is the music minister and art director and a lot of things. There's a big title because she has a big job (laughs) at First United Methodist Church in Dallas. She's one of my apprentices for this three-year period. She's um, a six on the Enneagram, and I'm really indebted to her for the two and a half years that we've spent together already because she teaches me so much about sixes. So welcome, Dana, and I have a lot of questions for you. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Um, I want to start with your journey to landing on six because you were very honest about thinking you were other numbers but it not quite fitting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the journey for a lot of people. So will you talk about what the numbers were and how you landed on which ones? And Yes, I certainly will. Um, and I, first I should say thank you for allowing me to come to your first workshop as a three and the second workshop as an eight. And then finally you allowed me back as a six. Um, so I, um, when I first found the Enneagram, um, I was experiencing a good bit of stress in, in my life, mainly professionally. Um, and it, I had come to a, you know, a cro- one of those crossroads mm-hmm. in life where I knew something had to change. And, and I was doing a lot of spiritual work and reading R- Richard Rohr and, and others and met Paula D'Arcy in that mm-hmm. time and, and uh, was doing a lot of reading and soul searching and found the Enneagram as well. Um, so immediately I took a test. Yeah, as so many people do. <laughs> and and scored as a three on the short form. And and so I lived with that for a while and lived with it and even got some innia thoughts that I reflected on every day and 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 a lot of that lined up. And and I was buying a lot of it. Because you know, after all, I wanted to be successful sure, and, sure. and I was a workaholic and so, you know, always driven, always had the to do list and, and, and so I just knew that I wanted to be successful. So of course I must be a three. Um, but that deceit part, you know, the root sin deceit, Mm -hmm. I discussed that with my husband, Tim, and he said, you know what, that, that is just not you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, if you're just, you're not pretentious with anybody. Mm -hmm. And, and I kept trying to live with that. And, um, so I went back to the drawing board. And, and because I'm driven and people tell me they receive me aggressively, I thought, well, maybe I'm an eight. Mm-hmm. You know, I took it, I took the long form mm-hmm. of the test then. I thought, well, the short form didn't work, so I'm going to try the long form. Mm-hmm. So I did the long form. And sure enough, my, my top number was, was eight and then two, and I think six was down at the bottom somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, well, okay, maybe I am an eight. Oh my gosh, maybe I've been scaring people all this time. Mm-hmm. So I came to your anger workshop. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, you were describing eights as children. You were talking about Joey as, mm-hmm. as a child. And I thought, oh no, you know how their agenda really mm-hmm. drives them regardless mm-hmm. of anybody's feelings around. They, they have a plan and they're by golly going to go for it. 
And I thought, oh no, that, that really wasn't mm-hmm. me. And I remember I talked with you. I said, if I wasn't like this as a child, mm-hmm. do you think I'm an, an eight? And you said, well, probably not, but why don't you just go into this small group? So we split into small groups and we had to tell what we were angry about. And I said, um, I, I just sat around the table and I listened to people. I mean, and they were just able to just throw it right out there. They knew immediately what they were angry about. And I, I kept getting nervous. Then I was like about to be panicked because I thought, oh, no, I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm not angry about mm-hmm. anything. And, and then I thought, oh no. And that wasn't, and so I just went, you know what? I'm not an eight. And I came to you afterwards mm-hmm. and said, I think I'm not an eight. I think I've got to go back to the drawing board. So I did, but I knew that I still presented myself as aggressive and I had read all the numbers and I had gone to your know your number class and, and I just had never thought of six because that's boring. I'm sorry. You know, Richard Rohr assigns the color beige to sixes and that just couldn't possibly be me because I have to be certainly more, more special than that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just boring. But Paula D'Arcy said one thing to me um, one time, because I said, I'm really trying to figure out my number. And I had been through the three and then through the six. And she said, well, you know, do you have anxiety? Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking anxiety? And <laughs> What do you mean? Uh, and uh, well, doesn't everybody? And she said, well, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. yep. And she said, my daughter is a counterphobic six. And you seem like her, but I, I don't know. And so I just kind of sat with that for a while and happened to found, find a, a, a story online about another person writing about their experience as a child, as a counterphobic six. Mm-hmm. And I really resonated with it. I went, oh, I have a similar situation. That sounds like me. And so I went back and read about it again. And I was so disappointed. And, you know, mm-hmm. Richard Rohr talks about the humility, mm-hmm. you know, when you find mm-hmm. your number. And that was big time. I was mm-hmm. so disappointed to be a six. But the counterphobic part of it, mm-hmm. that is usually my mode of operation to move against whatever I'm afraid of, to get it before it gets me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole lot there I want to I want us to talk about. Um, I want to start with telling the listeners that when you when you think you might know your number from a test or other ways that I don't agree with, when you think you might know your number and the root sin doesn't fit, it's not your number. Yeah. And when I listen to people talk about the root sin, I know it's not their number because they don't understand it. So like when you talk about deceit, a three who can claim that would would know that they're not lying. Mm-hmm. that they're just trying to give people what they want. Mm-hmm. They would know that the person they're deceiving is themselves. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that female threes identify with their childhood behavior more acutely than any other number on the Enneagram. Mm. They have a, a way of looking at life as children that is well it's well honed to the point almost so um you know i'm opposed to assigning numbers to children Mm -hmm. except i give myself permission to play around with that a little with my grandchildren Mm -hmm. and i really believe that um one of my granddaughters is a three on the enneagram and i watch her and it's astonishing 
to to watch her think up her next move, to watch her watch everybody else before she enters in. Mm -hmm. And it's not watching from a place of anxiety like a six watches. Mm -hmm. It's watching from a place of how am I going to be successful? Mm. I'm going to enter successfully, not hesitantly. Oh, wow. Which I don't think I would have paid attention to if you hadn't been so sure that paying attention to a childhood eight story didn't fit you. Mm-hmm. It's like then you kind of go, oh, okay. And and so what happens, I think, in workshops is people then come up to me and say, so if I wasn't like that as a child, am I that number? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they try to find a way around that. But I'm so unsure that I can accurately teach all nine numbers for them as children, that that puts me in a place where I'm not standing on totally firm ground. I know Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a two, Mm -hmm. and I pretty much know what the childhood was like of my four children. Mm -hmm. So I, I think to notice that you're aggressive, then to look at three and eight, uh, what would you say is the difference in aggression in a counterphobic six as opposed to eight aggressiveness or three aggressiveness in females? Well, I work with two eights, and I know that they've taught me a lot, mm-hmm. and I had never worked with uh, I had I, before I knew the Enneagram. I, I can, who can really say if I worked with eights, but I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. And knowing the Enneagram and being fortunate enough that these two eights have done done mm-hmm. some work, um, I'm really able to. I'm, I'm able to learn from them and learn from and learn from myself in relationship mm-hmm. to them. So, mm-hmm. to get to your question, um, I think one thing in practice that distinguishes them from me is is after the fact. Um, me, after the fact, I I ruminate on what I just did. And they don't, they don't, they just keep going. I, I also take a lot longer to, I take in, into consideration more variables um, before I make a decision. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that they don't consider it. They just kind of gut know what to do immediately. Um, but if you put both of us in a room, or you maybe you put three of us in a room, mm-hmm. and you didn't know the Enneagram, I might come off as the most aggressive because I'm the quickest to say something because I move against whatever problem it is. I, I, I speak up, and if I have, um, if there's a problem that's presented, I tend to want to solve it immediately. Is that fight or flight response? Yes. Okay. And I've also, and I've, after I've done some work, um, I've realized that what I'm really doing is I'm, I'm well, the nobler part, I would tell mm-hmm. you that I'm trying to make it okay for everybody. Right. But I think, let's get real because I'm also self-preserving. I think it's, it's, it's to make me feel sure. okay sure. too. Um, I didn't know that for the longest time. I also did, wasn't comfortable enough, and I was so driven by um, the sensation of anxiety mm-hmm. that 
Mm-hmm. It, it caused me to think, and what can we do? And we've got to solve it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't you think? And I talk about it, whereas I think eights all the time just go and do it. I think intensity presents, I think fear or anxiety. I think, ang- mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I think anxiety presents as more aggressive than anger does. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because they will be more calculating than I am. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I would think that it would be honest to say one-fourth of the people who come talk to me to try to figure out their number at the end of a Know Your Number event mm-hmm. because they can't figure out their number. Mm-hmm. I, I bet 25% are females trying to figure out if they're a three or an eight. So now I'll know to say what happens after the fact. Mm-hmm. And I'll know to talk about being more calculating. And I'll know to talk about the intensity of anxiety versus the, you know, for eights, anger is really kind of ho-hum. Their experience of themselves being angry is nothing like our experience of them being angry. Mm-hmm. So with free-floating anxiety kind of everywhere in the culture right now, it begs the question of whether or not the intense reactions are coming from aggressive numbers or if the intense reactions are coming from ones and counterphobic sixes. And I I think that's likely. Mm -hmm. You, You know, I'm not good with anxiety in myself, but my anxiety isn't tied to fear. So one of the things I want us to talk about for a few minutes is the fact that when I'm trying to take care of people as a two and when I'm all into my pride or uh, when Joe is into sloth or when Joel is into gluttony, it's a momentary thing. Mm -hmm. And when sixes are surrounded by fear and talk of fear and anxiety and talk about things that you should be anxious about, it's like four sixes your your passion or your sin permeates everything instead of some things. Right, right. Do you do you want to respond to that in any way? Well, I do, and I um because the thing that I I need to say because I I think there may be some sixes out there who said what I said if before I really did some digging. Uh huh. I might not have known that. I would never have told you I was afraid. I would never have admitted right. that I was afraid. Right. I was too goal-oriented. I was too determined mm-hmm. that I was going to reach my goals, that I was going to, by golly, accomplish whatever it was, mm-hmm. I, that I just ignored it. Mm-hmm. And that that is very, you asked me about a three earlier. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to a three. Right. Well, a six in stress mode goes yeah. to three. Right. So I operated in three a good bit. Mm-hmm. Um I think I worked in three for a lot of my early career, um, just determined that things were going to be successful mm-hmm. and I was going to make it happen. I didn't care how, how hard I had to work. Um, and so, so for a minute, let's talk about then the difference in phobic sixes and counterphobic sixes, because mm-hmm. I don't think a phobic six would, would respond like that. I don't think they would either. I haven't looked at the tests in so long because I don't like them. Mm-hmm. But do you think there are questions on the test that differentiate between phobic six and counterphobic six? Or are they just six questions? 
I have I have no idea. I they, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I really don't know. I can't remember them. I just know that they weren't accurate for me, so I kind of dismissed them in my memory. And yeah. it's been so long. Uh, if I said, tell me the top three things that are different in phobic sixes and counterphobic sixes, what would you say they are? I would say immediately that anxiety uh, or fear mm-hmm. um, for a, triggers a counterphobic six to action first, um, reflexively. And, and do you I, think it triggers thinking for a phobic six? I think it, it yes, worry. More worry mm-hmm. for a phobic six. Mm-hmm. More worry and um, maybe seeking somebody that appears stronger than them to go solve their problem mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I a phobic six was my admin for mm-hmm. twenty years mm-hmm. and dear and smart and capable, but it, I had I didn't know the enneagram right. at that time, and she would come to me with all of the issues mm-hmm. that. Uh, I mean, they could be small, but to her, they were big. Mm-hmm. And it was my job to to make them okay mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And that wore me out. I mean, that just wore me out because I thought, well, here I come to save the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. of course, I've got to do it. And I've got to do it. And right, I've got to right, do it again right. and again. And and about the time that I was finding the Enneagram, I was exhausted Yeah. Um, from my own uh, habitual behavior. So I think the number one is my response to anxiety and not understanding because I didn't do the work. I didn't understand that that feeling of fear or intensity that ang- anxiety mm-hmm. produces. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I could just let that go. I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea that I was feeling that more than say you were mm-hmm. until I found the Enneagram and you helped me understand that. And, and through centering prayer daily, you, you figure out, oh, I can let that go. You know, one of the um, things that makes me so, uh, that makes me feel so good about the work I do, but that concerns me is when we have conversations like this, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the first one to say that the, the Enneagram is not the end all be all of anything. I'm the first one to say it's just one tool, but good grief. I don't know another way to understand ourselves and other people like we can with this one tool. Mm-hmm. I just don't know another way. And I, I I have a new insight. You know, I I bristle a little when people say that they don't wanna do any they don't want to know anything about the Enneagram because it puts people in a box. And you know my line is uh it doesn't put you in a box, it shows you the box that you're already in. Yeah. But you know what? I wonder if you take a test and that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, then the Enneagram kind of puts you in a box, doesn't it? Right. And maybe the wrong box. And so what I want, one thing I want listeners to walk away with today is that you kept coming to workshops. You kept being willing to struggle till you found your number. You kept digging instead of just being passive and accepting what the experts said you were based on the test. That's a that's an important thing. And I don't want to just bash the test. That's not the conversation I'm trying to have. Mm-hmm. But what keeps this from being limiting is more work. Mm-hmm. Even if it's one whole book, it's more work than a quiz, right? And I always want the podcast to leave people wanting more. Yeah. 
Which brings me to my next question. Okay. Uh, what would you say is the difference in your life from before knowing the Enneagram and after knowing the Enneagram, specifically in your life as a six? There's really, there's no comparison. And I want to just go back to what you said about the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wanted a quick fix faster, mm-hmm. more than I did. Mm-hmm. Um I just wanted to take a test. They'd tell me, and mm-hmm. let's let's fix this up, and let's get it right, and let's go on. on. Feel good. And let's let's go on. And um, but that you know, um, I'll go ahead and say God didn't want it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my my career path was was similar. Um, I wanted to go one way, get a quick master's, quick doctorate, teach in college, and mm-hmm. God wanted me to be in the church. Mm-hmm. And um, and um, so. I wouldn't trade anything for the journey that I took. And yes, it was hard. And yes, I was embarrassed because mm-hmm. I thought, well, how dense am I that I can't figure out my own number? I mean, um, but the journey's the journey. And and the fruit that it has yielded has been bountiful uh, and rich. And my life has been so different. It's like once I finally figured it out mm-hmm. and it started to unfold, truth started to unfold because I'd been down a a lot of other paths Mm -hmm. that I thought were truth and it's like "Mm, dead end dead end but once you find it once I found it it's like oh and it's just been like one oh my goodness after the the next so we would say then we could say that if it's really your number There'll be one, oh my goodness, after the next. The farther you go, the yes. more sure you'll be. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I can, you know, I can understand why I I went the way that I did. Sure. But uh, it's because I needed to go deeper to find what was real, what was really beneath the surface. You know, we went through an uh, unending, uh, it seemed, experience of trying to name this podcast. Mm-hmm. And we did some work with some professionals and um, all kinds of groups of people. And we wanted to go with the Annie Ram journey. And one of the feedback pieces we got uh, from two or three places was that doesn't promise anything. You need a title that promises a delivery. Mm-hmm. And actually, the journey is the only promise we can make with integrity mm-hmm. that it is the journey that promises everything and there there's not much in the promise bag without the journey right and journey suggests that there's always more sure and sure. i and i believe there is always more um i can tell you that i see the world and people and my relationships and my choirs everything differently um, after the Enneagram. I I am different in rehearsals because I know the Enneagram, because I know myself. And that doesn't mean that I'm doing rehearsals um, trying to manipulate the choir. No. That, that I'm doing it more um, knowing myself and knowing when I, I, I can feel my red flags. Mm-hmm. And learning to, because of spiritual discipline, centering prayer that goes with this, um, can learn to return to the breath mm-hmm. and regain some composure and patience and uh, compassion. It's interesting how 
knowing myself and um, being able to see what I do habitually and just look at it and say, okay, you're feeling anxiety. You've, you've got that. Um, and, and to be able to say, now I know what that is and I can choose how I'm going to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And let's be real. You can get better at that in some sure, situations absolutely. than others. But with centering prayer and self-observation, um, that practice, that spiritual practice, we call it practice because it is a practice. Yeah, and yeah. in real time, you can, I can more often let go of that anxiety and not respond in, in such a knee-jerk way. Do you think there are more sixes than any other number? I... I know that that's what we say. Mm-hmm. I think sixes are slow to recognize their number because I don't think anybody wants to be a six. That's so interesting. I think that's true. And I um, I, I think this, but I, this was a journey for me, for me that uh, I'm grateful for because you started it. I went through a period of thinking that nobody wants to be a six because I don't teach sixes well. <laughs> and I think it doesn't matter who's teaching. I think sixes don't want to be sixes. I think my teaching's better because you ask me hard questions in the right way, which leads me to say this about sixes. I think we're in a time right now where the most important numbers personality types in the in our culture are sixes and nines and uh, you've heard me talk about that a little in mm-hmm. uh, teaching but I I think we are desperate for people who see two sides to everything and don't have to land on one or the other and I think we're desperate for people who are concerned about the common good and who know when to be worried you know one of the things that I don't want sixes to get rid of is worry. Like uh, Joe, my husband is a nine and he goes to six in stress. And I think that's a good thing because the rest of the time he's just, oh, it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. Happy go lucky. Everything's good. We, we don't need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And when he gets a little bit stressed, he can see a pitfall or two yeah. down the road. Yeah. And too much of any number is no good. Right. But I think there's a lack of caution around what we are saying and what we're doing and how we're behaving that only sixes can model for us. I'm just not sure anybody's paying attention. Right. And I think for myself, if I'm not saying, if I'm learning to manage my anxiety and every little thing is not a big thing, mm-hmm. then when I do speak about the thing that we all need to be concerned about, mm-hmm. people might be more inclined to listen to me. And that's what I've, I've noticed, particularly working with aggressive numbers. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So we have 36 apprentices in your apprentice class and three of you are sixes. And have you noticed how much everybody listens when y'all talk? Well, I've been surprised that people have listened mm-hmm. when, I, when I've spoken. 
So one thing I think we might want to share is that uh, I, for one of our classes, wrote on the board a list of things that were going on. Mm-hmm. And I wrote uh, the Dreamers, and I wrote the Nashville Statement. Was mm-hmm. that It was Statement, yeah. right? Yeah. And I wrote Dreamers, and I wrote uh, Harvey and Irma, the mm-hmm. horrible star- storms. I, I put all that on the board, and I knew and observed the tension rising in the room. I didn't know it was going to get as tense as it did. But I looked at the three of you who are sixes, and y'all were just kind of, Mm-hmm. what's everybody doing here? Why is everybody getting all whipped up? And I remember looking at you all and saying, what's up? And you just said, this is what we live with all the time. Right, right. So, And sometimes we get anxious, and I think phobic sixes more so than counterphobics, mm-hmm. but when things are just a little too calm, you, you just kind of Something's coming. uh-oh. You know, but when the world is kind of, going crazy you're like well Mm -hmm. welcome to my world (laughs) yeah yeah. and when you when you learn to manage that sort of thing and then everybody else starts to get whipped up it's like well welcome yeah well come on in the water's been fine yeah you know or it's been not so fine but we've learned to manage it that's so interesting and i think i have a little bit of a shut off valve when everything just gets too hysterical Mm mm-hmm I go into a calm place, and I just think that's where it's just kind of that. Uh, we talked about that in mm-hmm. one of the sessions. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a safety valve, mm-hmm. a built-in safety valve that if you didn't have it, you'd probably just I don't know, stroke out or something. You know, I thought I had this great gift that I was walking into the teaching room with by bringing to sixes. I I remember starting to say, you know, I just don't think you should watch the news, and they all looked at me like. You think I watch the news? It's like, I started watching the news a long time ago. So I thought I was bringing this little jewel, and it was something that they had already figured, that you all had already figured out. Yeah, I I still watch the news, but sometimes I just get, I get jaded because it's, it's like, well, you know, and I get, I feel guilty, honestly. Yeah. We've had so many tragedies that I just, I don't know. It's like, oh, you know, I, I almost can't ramp up. I mean, it, it's awful. And I know in my head it's mm-hmm. it's awful, but it's been so much awful mm-hmm. that it's like, I just, it's just like almost like, well, no, I just, I, yeah. so uh, what do you wish people knew about your number? And I don't know if you're comfortable speaking for phobic and counterphobic, mm-hmm. but I, I would love for you to differentiate that. Okay. I wish people knew that when I am asking questions of them, I'm not attacking them. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I I really either want an answer or I need to feel safe. But I, I, another thing I think they need to know about sixes, and I know this is true for me, even emotional issues, I, I almost cannot, I can't understand, I can't come to rest until I come to understanding. Um, so would, would could we could we substitute the word acceptance? I can't accept what's happening till I understand it. Exactly. Okay. Absolutely. So that's true for me too, as a two. So I, I, I wonder what that's about because you know I have a lot of anxiety. Twos have a lot of anxiety, and I have a lot of anxiety. 
but I manage my anxiety with schmoozing and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you manage your anxiety with asking honest questions, yes. as Parker Palmer would call them. Absolutely. And seeking answers. And when people cut me off, it confirms my first fear as well. You didn't want to hear anything I had to say. Or you're hiding something. Mm-hmm. If it's you didn't want to hear anything I had to say, I feel shamed. Mm-hmm. And so I'll figure out another way to get my question answered. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be less likely to ask again because I was just shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to feel good about you. And I'm not going to feel good about me. Mm-hmm. If I if I feel like you're keeping information from us, I always think you're hiding something and it's not good. Mm-hmm. I will always think that. Um, but it's rarely do, personal. Do you want? Okay, that's where I was going. I was I was going to ask you if you wonder if they're hiding something from you. Because it's big, or if they're hiding something, because it's about you. Um, it's it's more um, yes, it could be either, but I I usually think it's more situational. It's more systemic. Either mm-hmm. they haven't done their homework and they don't know the answer. In mm-hmm. which they case, if they're in leadership, they better know the answer because mm-hmm. they're affecting all of us. And and usually, I feel like middle management. You See, know, there's that common good thing. That's a great way to talk about yeah. the common good. I feel like middle management. I I feel like when I've gone to battle <laughs> before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's usually on behalf of those who who are dependent on me. Mm-hmm. So whether it be my volunteers, my choir members, and I feel like I need to get answers on behalf of them mm-hmm. because I got to tell them something. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell them the wrong thing, or I'm going to lose credibility. You know. And if people aren't giving me what I need to know to tell them, then I can become I can become a dog with a bone. Until what I happens to phobic sixes? Do you think they go and ask somebody stronger to fight the battle for them? So okay, that that's get, very helpful. And and in meetings, I was usually the mouthpiece for the people who were afraid to speak up mm-hmm. because I'm going to step out there on their behalf, mm-hmm. and I would rather step into the flame than wait on the flame to come get me. That's so. You know, I keep talking about six is concerned about the common good, and I could never say it better than that till now. You know, that because that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That is what you're talking about. Okay. Um, have you ever been in a city that you think is a six city? Six city. You know, I'm not sure I've thought about that. I don't know. I it's, don't know. It, it's a new question for me I've never asked it before so that's kind of not fair to you but the reason I've been thinking about it is because it occurred to me that people kind of say you know after I say Dallas is a three city then people kind of start to explore what number their city is but nobody ever says they think they're a six they live in a six city Mm. which would be I wonder if that's if that's a sign of our time because oftentimes I don't feel like anybody's concerned with anybody but themselves. Mm-hmm. I've run I, I just increasingly more and more every day. Maybe it's yeah the media related. You know, one of the things that Joe and I teach when we talk about discernment is that as soon as you ask the question, "How will it affect me?" Mm-hmm. then discernment stops because mm. that's never the question. You know, if you're trying to discern God's will for something, yeah, or 
or God's will for your life in the context that we understand it as Christians. If, if you're trying to understand that, then as soon as you say, well, how, how's that going to affect my life? Well, then your, your process of thinking is colored from then on. Yeah. I, th- I think. Okay. What do you think is a good piece of relationship advice for you to give counterphobic sixes? Mm. Wow. Oh boy. Don't I wish I had known so many things. I would like counterphobic sixes to know that it is okay to trust first. Wow. It is not uh, wrong. You're not going to be held in contempt. If somebody took advantage of you, if they are not trustworthy, that's on them. That's not on you. To risk trusting. And I stop myself even today. And I, till the day I die, I'll stop myself because my first thought is, well, they're not going to live up to their, or they're, they're not going to mm-hmm, show up mm-hmm, or they're not mm-hmm. gonna, or they're, see, wait. Mm-hmm. And that is my first thing that I think of. And I have made myself stop, take a deep breath and say to myself, that person is a good and noble person. Trust them. Interesting. And I have been continually amazed when they do what they say they're going to mm-hmm. do or they show up, it's like I'm experiencing a little miracle because my mode of operation had been to remind them 10,000 times because, mm-hmm. of course, I I would be afraid that I wasn't doing my job or maybe they didn't hear me or, you know, it never occurred to me that maybe if I would just shut up, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they, they would, would come to the table. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in, in the choirs. Um to set the table and give them an invitation to do their part rather than being quite so demanding and over-functioning on their behalf. You know, I think one of the best parts of my new book, I think one of the best parts is the story about you and Jill as a phobic six and a counterphobic six. I'm, I'm so excited about that because both of you told me stories that you're so the same and you're so different at the very same time. It's um, it's kind of amazing. All right, you have more relationship advice? Well, I think on my part, if I could give myself relationship advice, it would be to um, stop and breathe, mm-hmm. to trust, and then also um, to love myself mm-hmm. and uh, trust myself, mm-hmm. listen to myself, and be good to myself. Um, because that almost never happened. And I bet that's not exclusive for sixes. I would just bet that maybe for everybody. But, um, also when I'm able to let go of some of the anxiety I have about the potential of my being rejected, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that somehow people tend to come toward me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's something that happens between us. And I think that has come in letting down some of my suspicion and, and anxiety. And, and um, maybe my, um, I call it a force field. It's almost oh, that's a little, good. That's a little good. shield. Mm-hmm. Um, had a situation last night. Had to go to a, 
VIP reception mm-hmm. and I, I didn't really want to go because I didn't know who would be there. And I, I just felt anxiety. I felt it in my chest and I just didn't want to go. But Tim said, you've got to go. You've got to go be seen. You've got, that's something that you have to do. Just go. I'll be in there later. He dropped mm-hmm. me off at the curb and I, and I just decided that I was going to walk into that situation with my anxiety and just see what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I just did. And I did, I saw a couple of people I knew and I spoke with them and I just walked through that, what felt like to me at that point, fire. Mm-hmm. And people wouldn't know this about me because right. I'm always welcoming people in, but where right. I work, I'm always the one in control. So right. I can do the welcoming. It's hard for me to go into a situation where I don't know if I'm going to be welcomed or not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, it's like walking through a fire. Um, but I did it and I made it and I talked with the people I needed to talk to and I left yeah. and it was all good. Um, but I didn't allow myself to avoid that situation because of fear. Okay. Well, I know that we're getting close on time, but there's one more question I want to ask you. Um, you know, the focus for me for at least the next two years is going to be Enneagram relationships. And, uh, so talk about your relationship with Tim. Um, since we've known the Enneagram, boy, that has helped a ton because Tim is a nine okay. with a big one wing. Um, and... I didn't understand why he kept retreating. So I would go after him. And it's like I would go after him the more I went after him, the more stubborn he got. Mm-hmm. And um, I've learned that if I just own my, stu- my stuff mm-hmm. up front and he's done some work, he'll eventually own his stuff. Mm-hmm. But if I pursue him too much, mm-hmm. he just re- retreats. And, um, and I've also learned that he needs his space and that I need to give it to him. Mm-hmm. but too much space is not good for him. So there's a balance. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, um, I, I've learned also, I mean, he, he's very good at taking care of all the things in the house, but I've learned that I can use him as a crutch and, and I, I don't, I, I need to challenge myself to not do that. Um, and, uh, I trust him with every every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. I trust him. Um, and he trusts me. Um, but I've learned that I have to trust myself. Also. So uh, y'all are both on that central triangle of the Enneagram. Right. Do you have any anything to say about that? It's okay if you oh, don't, boy. but oh, I would but think that's I, a tricky I have place. Some, I have something rich because our admin's a three. So when we get in stress mode, oh, so so everybody needs to know that you and Tim work at the same. Place. Oh yes, oh thank you, thank you. Yeah, yes, yeah. we're all we're all full time. He's a nine, I'm a six, and she's a three. So if we get in high stress mode, and it's this last minute, invariably it is amazing. You should be in our office. I go to three and start jumping over everybody and over functioning. Uh-huh. She goes to nine and gets paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Um, the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually, I've observed her movements and her speech gets slower. Her movements get slower and I'm just leaping over her and just mo- working as fast as mm-hmm. I can go. And Tim kind of gets deer in the headlights and just kind of, which is he, nine going to six. Yes. in anxiety. And he just, and this is when we're all in our automatic response mode. We have, you know, just like almost panic mode. Right. This right. is what happens. And uh, so it's it's fascinating mm-hmm. to watch us. And then when we when the ship writes again and everybody's kind of mm-hmm. okay again, we all go back in our regular 
places. You know, so we try to avo- avoid those sorts yeah. of anxiety. We try to work ahead so that doesn't happen. I sometimes tell a story about uh, Joe as a nine with two friends of ours who are a six and a three. And the three of them were, there were just four of us in the room, and the three of them were having a very difficult conversation. And they all made that move to where they go in stress. And honestly, I I had a moment of vertigo. <laughs> I can like, understand it. <laughs> I, I had a moment where I thought, things are not right here. And then it dawned on me what was happening and why things weren't right and, you know, all that. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Well, do you want to say anything else? I just thank you for um, letting me be here oh, and for having for this conversation. Um, my life is better. It's 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 changed for the better, um, and and new like petals of wisdom tend to unfold every day, just because. The Enneagram has given me a new way of seeing. Mm-hmm. I feel like. A degree of blindness yeah. has been lifted, and I think it is a journey, and that's exciting to me because there's always more. Yeah, and we sure haven't found the bottom around oh, here. Oh, absolutely not! And thank you so much for your teaching and for opening this door for me. Thanks so 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 much. Thank you. I hope you'll join me in Edmond, Oklahoma on February 23rd and 24th for a Know Your Number conference. You can get more information at lifeinthetrinityministry.com about registration and about the event. It's a good opportunity for you to bring a friend to a Know Your Number workshop because it's changed your life and you want to offer it to them. And it's a great way for you to come listen for the number you go to in stress and the number you go to in security. Hope I see you there. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.